everyone wants more money, but most of us weren't taught how to create an abundant life. That's where the More Money Show comes in. If you're ready to have more money, create more freedom and experience more fun, turn the volume up. It's time to learn how to create the prosperity and life you have been dreaming of. Here's your host, Cassie Parks. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The More Money Show. I'm here with Mary Stirk of Stirk Financial Services. She's also the best-selling author of Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger, which you can find on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, maybe even walking into your local bookstore. So I'm excited to have Mary because, first of all, I love Mary's story, and she's going to share that in just a second. But she's also a financial planner who really helps her clients grow money, and I know that that as you listen to this podcast and you grow money, you might be wondering, where do, what do I do with that money when I have more of it? So uh, welcome, Mary. Thank you for being here. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Yes, I'm so excited. So let's start by, I just would love for you to share your story of where you came from and how you <laughs> built this business. Thank you. Yeah, so my story, I guess, is one that you could say takes me from welfare to wealth management. And um, by the time I was 19 years old, I was a divorced single mother with two kids under two years old. Wow. And we lived on welfare. We bought our groceries with food stamps and we lived in low income housing. And um, the decisions I was having to make when it came to money was, am I going to be buying diapers today or am I going to buy food? And mm. it was a really, really challenging time. And I looked around myself at the other people that lived in the same low-rent apartment complex as I did, and I realized that many had been there for a long, long time, and they weren't creating any way to kind of get out of that, that area. They weren't creating something better for themselves or for their families, and I made a really conscious decision that I wanted something better for my children and for myself. And I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't want to be that girl who'd gotten pregnant as a teenager and let that dictate the rest of her life for her. And I decided that in order to figure out how to get out of that welfare situation, I needed to learn how money worked. And learning how money works is kind of a complex thing. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to um, night school and correspondence school. I was working during the day. I would come home and I would take care of my little babies. And then I would stick my nose in a book in the evening. And I'm pretty sure I was tired for about five years. <laughs> <laughs> but along the way, I feel like I got a really good education about how money works. And then I went on to get my certified financial planning designation and that launched a career for the last 25 years where I've taken a very holistic approach to helping people look at their finances, helping people with investing their money, and being able to understand that people are not just their balance sheet, people have lives. And the best thing that their money can do is to align with the life that they want to lead. And I think that that's what we're really, really good at in terms of financial planning. It's helping people understand where are they trying to go with their life and then how do we help them align their financial picture around that. 
And so hearing that, you all can understand why um, I don't just let anybody come on this podcast. Um, <laughs> in fact, it's specific invitations that go out. But hearing that is probably why you can guess is why, you know, I asked Mary to come on here because it's not about <laughs> this figure and that figure. It's really, and that's what I'm about. I don't think following any one financial plan works for anyone. I think it always has to come back to the life that you're living. And if you're not building a financial plan for the life that suits you and that you are m most excited about living, why do it? Right, exactly. And I would say that the very biggest lesson that I learned from my experience going from welfare to wealth management is this, is that the only thing money really does is that it buys you choices. If you don't have much money, then the real truth is your choices of how to live are more limited. But if mm -hmm. you have more money, then you can choose how to spend that to create the things that you're trying to do in life. So money buys you more choices, right? <laughs> and that's my fundamental money philosophy. And, and I think we create all of our planning around that is what choices do you want to make? And then how do we line your money up to support that? I love that. And so when you say choices, do you mean like sending your kid to college or retiring or buying a bed and breakfast? Yeah, it can be all of those, right? So mm -hmm. it can be it can be the things that you want. It can be the experiences that you want to create, or it can even be a feeling. So um, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So a feeling might be when we're sitting down and doing retirement planning with somebody and we're talking about how do you want your retirement to feel, if they say that they want their retirement to feel very connected and they want to feel generous and they want to feel creative, then those are the things that we know that they're going to end up spending some money on, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe the connected part of it might mean that they want to travel to see grandkids or they want to be spending time with a spouse. So that means that in their retirement budget, we need to allow for money to do those things. We need to have a travel budget to see the grandkids and we need to have money set aside to go do things with the spouse. So that's kind of what I mean with that, that it's not just the things you want to buy. It can be the experiences you want to have and the feelings you want to create. Absolutely. And I love that you take that approach uh, because I'm not a huge fan of going and having retirement calculator, like this is what you make now, so this is what this is what you have to save for, which I found over like could be overwhelming. Uh -huh. um, I did it for a lot less than any retirement calendar calculator would tell me because <laughs> I knew what I wanted, right? Yep. What I wanted was freedom. And so I knew the number I had to get to freedom and that wasn't the number that I was making at my job. And so I love that you do that. And I love that you honor people in that way because have you found that it makes people more likely, like when there's a reason, right? Versus uh -huh. I just need, you know, X amount of dollars to retire with the same salary. When there's a reason that they're, they're putting money aside every month or they're investing, you know, when they get a bonus or what, however, wherever it is, you know, I'm investing to go see my grandkids when I retire versus I'm just creating a pile of money. Do you think that's more effective I think it's incredibly more effective because just building money for money's sake, just having a pile of money really doesn't do much for us. What that does is allows us to experience things, go do things or create a feeling of safety or security or freedom or whatever it is. So money for money's sake is not really what the goal of money is. Right. <laughs> 
And the other thing that you said that I wanted to key in on is, you know, there are different graphs and charts and numbers out there and any financial planner out there really is going to come back with graphs and charts and numbers because that is part of it. However, if you look at, say, retirement planning, then that really should be approached like a three-legged stool. So the three-legged stool of a good retirement plan, the first leg of the stool is emotional readiness. Because there is a massive paradigm shift that happens when you transition from working to no longer working. And it, um, it tends to actually affect men more than it does than women. Um, and that's because a men, man's identity psychologically oftentimes is more tied to their work than a woman's is. That's not the case for everybody, but we see that more often in financial planning that that hap that shift is harder to make for men mm -hmm. and um the the emotional readiness often comes from not knowing what they're going to do after they retire how to spend right. time once that to-do list is done <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so emotional readiness is the first leg of the stool the second leg of the stool is actually health related matters so making sure your health insurance is lined up, making sure you've addressed long-term care type of issues and understanding how the Medicare system works, which is very complex and overwhelming for a lot of people to think about. And then the third leg of the stool is the financial side of it. So most of the time when you talk to financial people, the only thing they're talking to you about is the financial side and they're leaving the other two legs of the stool untouched. And if you kind of picture the legs of a stool, if you're focusing on one and not the others, you sort of have an unbalanced stool. Yes. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of like the, the breadth of, of how to kind of look at things. And that's more what holistic planning really is, mm -hmm. right? It's like treating somebody as a whole person, not just right. treating the financial piece only. Yes. I love that. I love, I love that you do that. Yeah. So let's talk about um, where does someone go? Well, I want to do this myth first because I think this is one of the biggest things that I see holds people back. Okay. Is that we somehow people get in their mind like you have to have so much money. You basically already have to be, you know, maybe they think you have to be a millionaire or they think you have to make over $100,000 or they think this or that. Um, you know, I've personally have all, I started investing when I was 19. It's interesting that so our <laughs> stories don't kind of coincide. Um, I've been investing in my IRA since I was 19 years old. Um, and I started, yeah, I started with $25 a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew what I want. I wanted to not have to work. I was very committed <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, but can you kind of tell us what does it take money wise? Can, when can someone get started investing if that's what they want to do. So I think you're incredibly on target to call it a myth. There is a myth out there that you have to have a certain amount of money in order to start investing. And that myth is perpetuated by the idea that a lot of financial planners won't start working with somebody until they actually have a minimum investable asset balance of 100000 or 500000 or something like that. But the truth of it is, the beauty of the internet today is that you can learn anything you want to about money and investing online or buy a book if you're a do-it-yourselfer. And if you, so you don't have to have a financial planner to get started in the investing world. If you want to get started, all you need to have is a little bit of money. 
And there are companies out there that will start working with people where $25 a month is the minimum investment. And so the way it was when you were 19, it's still that number. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also companies out there that, um, you know, you that are called robo advice and robo advice is actually ideal for somebody that has a smaller amount of money to work with. Robo advice is something that you can at least line up your risk levels, line up what you're trying to do to a set of questions. And then the robo advice company will give you kind of an automatic pre-planned set of investments that your money should go into based on your answers to their questions. And that's super cheap to do it that way. It's super low cost to do it that way. And it caters to people who have smaller dollar values that they want to get started with or smaller dollar chunks that they want to have some assistance with or get into the markets. I love that. And anyone can start for $25. Like it's just a matter of making a couple of different choices. And mostly I think the choice to do it, because once you make the choice to do it and it, you can make it come out automatically. And I always say, you know, if you've taken manifest 10 K, you know, I say you need to allocate for what you want. If what you want is to save, have retirement, whatever it is, you can start saving that. So Uh would somebody, what would they Google if they wanted to start this way? Um, Just robo advice or what would they put in? Yeah, you could Google robo advice or you could Google $25 a month investments and there will be some companies that come up and say they allow that. Um, Or you could contact an advisor And if they don't work with people at that level, they will probably be able to tell you some of the companies that you could go direct to in order to get that accomplished. Awesome. So is Stark Financial Services the one that people would contact? Yeah, that'd be great. If people wanted to contact us at Stark Financial Services, they absolutely could. And we, the first time we talk to people, we call it a value assessment meeting. And we call it that because what we're trying to ascertain is, are we the right firm to add value to somebody's financial picture? (laughs) If we (laughs) are, you might hire us. And if we're not, you probably won't. And it's all good either way. But during that first call, which is always free, we don't ever, um, you know, take on a client if we don't think that we can add value. So if we found during that first call that all you needed to know was, where can I go? Because I only have $25 a month and I want to get started. We would just say, hey, try looking at A, B, and C companies. Go out and investigate them. And if your situation was more complex than that, then we would just talk about it to decide if further help from us would be valuable to you or not. I love that. And so do you ever get people who are a little bit nervous or they think you're going (laughs) to see the numbers that they have or they don't have? And there's, I don't know, the judgment, like how can we help people make the choice, whether it's to get on the phone with you, whether it's to look somebody up, it's to find somebody in their area, it's to just like, how do you, what can you tell as an, as an advisor, as a planner? um, I don't know, to make somebody feel more comfortable that might be sitting there like, oh, she seems great. She seems nice, but I'll be wasting her time. Or Uh I don't want to show her I only, I don't have anything yet for retirement or whatever the thing is going on in someone's head. So the first thing that I would say is this, is that it's an incredibly common emotion to feel nervous or anxious about being judged for where you are in your own financial situation. And I have had people that have a couple hundred dollars walk through my door and feel that way. 
I've had people who have a couple hundred thousand dollars walk through my door and feel that way. And I have had people sitting across the table that have several million dollars invested that are asking, are we big enough to work with you? So it, it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the scope of what is necessary to help you along your financial journey. And that's what a good holistic planning firm is going to be looking for is not just what's the size of your portfolio, it's what's the scope of your issue. And judgment doesn't fall into that because it's not about a number that plus or minus is a good thing. And I guess I just think this, you know, you're more than just your balance sheet. <laughs> There's more to you than just that number. And so that's what your planning, you know, relationship really should come down to. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I will say, though, that part of the reason that I think that judgment is out there is because of the way that most financial planners get paid. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'd love to just shed a little bit of light on how advisors get paid so people understand what to look for if they are talking to someone and maybe what some of those red flags would be if they're searching for an advisor. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So a financial advisor is going to get paid in one of three ways. They're either going to get paid a commission or they're going to be making a fee or they're going to get paid some type of hourly rate. But really, those are the only three ways that an advisor is likely to get paid. Now, if you run into an advisor who might be getting paid in all three of those ways, that's going to be called a hybrid advisor, meaning they have access to investment vehicles, some that pay a commission, some that pay a fee, and, and then can also work on the hourly rate. If you run into somebody who is a commission-only advisor, meaning they can't even access anything in the fee world, then in my opinion, that's where you have your first red flag. So if the only way that your advisor makes money is to make a commission, then it means that their mission in life is to sell you a financial product. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure most listeners, Cassie, that's not their mission in life is to buy a financial product. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so most people are looking for strategies or advice about what to do. And, you know, that might end up meaning that they buy a financial product, but that's not where it starts. Mm -hmm. And so if you are working with someone who's a commission only advisor, then you probably have an inherent misalignment in your agenda because they're trying to sell you something and you're probably looking for strategies and advice. Mm -hmm. So there's a red flag. Now there's fee only advisors and fee only advisors means that if they are going to work with you, they're going to charge a fee for planning and they're going to charge a fee for managing assets. And the fee only advisors tend to have a stronger alignment with their clients because whatever their client needs, they are likely to be able to provide a lot of that and they're just going to get paid for their time and their expertise. So you don't have that mismatch in agenda when you're working with someone who can do a fee. And you have the, the most alignment is when you work with a planner who can do a fee based or an hourly fee where it's not just the investment management fee where they're going to have to be managing assets to make money. But if they can charge an hourly fee or if they can charge a fee for doing an actual written financial plan for you, then you know that 
what you're paying for is time and experience and expertise and it's 100% customized to you. It's not just a ruse to try to get you in the door and then sell you financial products. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so that hybrid is really better because it can be more customized to you and it's about what's best for you. Right. Um, because people need to get paid, right? You studied very hard to do this. This isn't something, there's a lot of tests that you have to take that are, you know, additional studying and, and keep up with all this stuff. And so right. financial advisors do need to be paid one way or the other. Right. And I think that what the public deserves is transparency in that. They should understand how they're getting paid and what they're right. getting paid so they can make a decision about whether or not they're willing to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where that, like what you were saying, the hybrid, you know, type of advisor has probably the highest level of strength. There are certain investment vehicles out there that are only available in the commission space. Mm -hmm. And there are certain programs that are out there that only are available in the fee space. And so if you have somebody that's one or the other only, then they don't have access to part of the investment world that's out there, which means they can't select from everything out there to help a client. But if you have a hybrid advisor where they can select carefully from all the different things that are out there and then transparently and straightforwardly explain, this is how we get paid for this vehicle, then that's really the best interest of the client. I love it. That's awesome. Um, and so is there a point at which, um, does it make sense, for example, for somebody to call you if they don't have a lot of money? Is there a point at which it makes sense to sort of um, not do these things that you said are sort of do it yourself, less expensive? Do you have to have a certain amount or is there a certain amount that makes sense to pay an advisor or is it just whatever feels good? I guess it's going to be a personal decision about whatever feels good and how confident you are in your own do-it-yourselfer skills. Mm -hmm. But there are some kind of general things that I think can apply to more of a broad base of people, not everybody, but that do apply to a broader kind of, of stream of people that maybe are steps to take before you go visit with a financial advisor and pay a fee for a plan. So the first thing is, it's really wise to have an emergency fund. So although that money does not make a lot of money sitting at a bank, that money is really important to have. And so if you're looking at how do I make sure I have a good start to my finances, building that emergency fund is really your first priority, okay? The second thing is if you're working at a job where you have access to a 401k, then contributing to the 401k enough to get the full match that the company is going to put in is a really good strategy. <laughs> That's free money. Free money. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite kind of money. I don't right. know about you. I know. Me too. <laughs> free money followed closely by tax-free money. Those are yes. like my two favorite kinds. <laughs> so anyway, maximizing that match is like step two when it mm -hmm. comes to what to do to get yourself aligned with a, a, the beginning of a good plan. And then step three is possibly funding a Roth IRA. Okay. So now there's income limits and things like that. Um, but assuming that you fall into the income bracket where you can do a Roth IRA, that's usually a really strong next step when it comes to investments. 
And the reason for it is, is that it's something outside of your company plan that you're building. You're not getting a tax deduction when you put the money into it, but the money, as long as you follow all the rules, is growing tax deferred and should come out tax free later in life. So when you look at that, the first thing is build your emergency fund. The second thing is max out the match inside your 401k. And the third thing is fully fund a Roth IRA for you or you and your spouse. And once you're doing all of those, that's probably the right moment to start thinking about going and talking to a planner to figure out what the next step is for you. Awesome. Does somebody need a planner to do a Roth IRA or can they just do that? You can go to a planner to get started in that, or that's where you can step back into going into that robo advice or going direct to companies or something like that. So there's a variety of ways that people can do that. Awesome. Very cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about your book. It's available on Amazon. Um, people can go there and get it. And who is that really good for? It. This book is called Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. And the person who is the ideal reader of this book is somebody that's within five to 10 years of retirement. So if you're thinking that you're getting to the point where work might become optional, this is what I call the retirement mecca. (laughs) (laughs) If you think you're getting to that point or that you're Mm going to be there within the next five to 10 years, then this is the book for you. So it's actually a fairly short read, so it's not overwhelming. And I did that intentionally. I made it kind of a smaller book because financial books kind of tend to intimidate and scare people. So they don't even read them. Like they'll buy them with good intentions and then they sit there and never read them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this book is, is an easy read and it hits the main things that somebody needs to know to figure out if they are at the point that work is optional. And if they're not there yet, then how to figure out when they will be. You know, that's the ultimate freedom, right, Kathy? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So the book really kind of breaks it down into a series of steps. Like here's what you need to collect first for information. Here's how you need to look at the information to understand things. Here's how to, you know, discuss the emotional readiness side of retirement planning. Here's those health-related factors. Here's the money side of it that we need to talk about. and then. It gives you a pathway that if you want to do it yourself, then you can use this book as a guide to get yourself there. If you want to figure out what you need to know before you want to go talk to a planner, this is also a great step to do that. And it even includes information in there, like how to interview a planner, right? Awesome. Mm -hmm. So some firms are only local, where they only work with people in their local or regional area. Some firms like ours are national where we work with clients all over the United States and we just do a lot of work through like a video portal. Um, Mm -hmm. It makes it really simple and easy. And so I encourage people to interview local and national planners to find the right match for them. And there's even a series of questions in there of how to ask the questions because people don't even really know what they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. when it comes to finding a good planner. So, and then we have a great, companion piece on our website at sterkfinancialservices.com. It's called the Strategic Retirement Toolkit. And it's the, the tools, the actual information that you'll need if you want to do things yourself that the book references. Very cool. 
Thank you. Awesome. So Sterk, S-T-E-R-K, financialservices.com. You can find that. You can find the book. Are you uh, ready to pull the retirement trigger on Amazon? And you can also connect with Mary if you, you know, if there's, you know, in terms of LOA, I don't know, confidence, like this is the financial planner I would choose because you, you're about the whole person, you're about this vision. And so if that's, you're feeling that too, you can also, how do they, if they want to get in contact with you, maybe they're not five to 10 years away from retirement, but -hmm. they want to start planning or they just love. Or they just want to talk about investments. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about investments. How do they, how do they go about doing that? So our um, contact information is out on our website or it's in our book, but also we like to, to kind of be on the cutting edge of technology. So on our website, there's actually a button that you literally can just push the button and then you'll see access to what's available on the schedule of all of our financial planners and you can book an appointment with them right on that website and then they'll either call you or video conference you or you can come into the office but you can pick the time and the date that works the best for you. So it makes it really easy to just kind of conveniently, you know, find a time to do that, which that then again overcomes the intimidation and the objection of, oh, I, I don't know when to come in. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I don't know when they're going to be available. And you yeah. don't have to because sometimes that's the hardest part is like making the phone call to make the appointment. I think people yeah. can get a little bit like, well, what are they going to ask me? And I, you know, all the things that come in, right? So um, I love that. And you can get in touch with Mary that way, schedule an appointment. Um and just really get started. And I just want to remind everybody that first time that you schedule is free, right? Yes, it is. It, it absolutely is. We're just huge believers in elevating the level of financial education that people have. And so even if we have a conversation that never leads to a professional relationship, we're always happy to have done that because we think that even that first conversation is something that's going to be impactful and helpful to somebody because we're talking about money. Mm-hmm. And money is a subject that is taboo to talk about in most social circles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it gives you an outlet to talk to someone and someone that is an expert and probably can answer some of the burning questions that you have. <laughs> awesome. Any final thoughts that you want to share? You know, I guess what I would just say is that I think that, that your podcast is a fantastic podcast. And I think that the work that you're doing in the world creates that incredible impact um, for people in dealing with their money. And and so I just want to thank you for having us on your show. And um, I really look forward to a long and lovely relationship with you, Cassie. Absolutely. Same here. Make sure to find the book on Amazon or you can go to Sterk, S-T-E-R-K, financialservices.com and be brave. Schedule that appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mary, for being here and for sharing all of your knowledge because I do believe when it comes to money, knowledge is power. Absolutely. The more we know, the more we can attract and we can live um, and do what we want. So thank you. Thank you for joining us on The More Money Show. To learn the step-by-step process to welcome more money into your life, go to manifest10k.com.